0: Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders
1: host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Automotive Insiders presented by OESA, Original Equipment Suppliers Association. I'm producer and host Bonnie D. Graham. Very happy to be here with another really interesting topic, how technology impacts the automotive bottom line. And who doesn't want to know about that? Welcoming back a regular here on the show. I'm on video Zoom with them. I can see my guest, Tom Madonna at SAP Wave. Hello, Tom is the industry executive. There we go. Industry executive advisor for automotive at SAP. Always happy to see you, Tom. And a newcomer, we're welcoming Nat Krishnan. He's Infosys's head of SAP sales and engagements for manufacturing. Welcome, Nat. How are you today?
2: Thank you, Bonnie. Pleasure to be here. I'm doing good. How are you doing?
1: Well, it's very kind of you to ask. I'm happy that you're here. How about that? So let's get started. Nat, since you're the newcomer, everybody wants to know who you are. How did you get involved in automotive? What does this topic mean to you? What's your passion? I'm going to put you on speaker view for the video. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Nat, welcome.
2: Thank you, Vani. Uh, Nat Krishnan, I head uh, SAP Sales and Engagements for uh, Infosys for Manufacturing. Uh, What that means is essentially uh, I help customers transform their businesses, uh, you know, uh, essentially help improve both the top line and bottom line of businesses uh, through SAP. So essentially all of the offerings uh, in, uh, uh, you know, that SAP Uh, Brings to the table and I uh, uh, you know, I am a 25 year recipe veteran and I've been doing this for customers I'm British American. So I've been doing this on both sides of the pond for the last 25 years And so I've worked with, uh, you know, some of the largest and best-known names in automotive and outside manufacturing For uh, for the last, uh, you know, what better part of the two and a half decades
1: Well, nice to have you here. We had a colleague of yours, Amy Dale, from Infosys on a recent segment, and we were very much looking forward to having you and you're here now, and this is great. Tom Madonna, we're down to 4.2 people who don't remember you around the world. Briefly reintroduce yourself. Tisk tisk on them. Tom, go ahead.
3: Thanks, Bonnie, and and welcome, listeners. Uh, Tom Madonna, Industry Executive Advisor from SAP, uh, working in the North America Automotive uh, Industry Set. So I help uh, customers get the the best business case, business uh, KPIs, and usage of the technology and how they run their business, and help them, uh, one, achieve as well as uh, exceed those uh, requirements.
1: Thank you very much. Nat, we want to ask some personal questions here. I warned you before we started recording this podcast, so let's put you up Answer me, please. Do you remember your first car? Make, model, year, color. Any stories you're allowed to share without signing an NDA? (laughs) Go ahead. Sure.
2: sure. The first car that I remember is taking out my dad's Morris Minor. I don't know how many of you know the Morris Minor. And then uh, making sure that it can navigate the ditch uh, rather unsuccessfully. So (laughs) that was one hell of a car. And, you know, I think Jeremy Clarkson said in one of his episodes that, it's the British version of the, uh, the Beetle, the Volkswagen Beetle. I don't think he meant it, uh, you know, very charitably, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just did a look up, and I will tell you what I found. You tell me if this is correct. I found out that the Morris Minor, M-O-R-R-I-S-M-I-N-O-R, two words, is a British economy family car that made its debut at the Earl's Court Motor Show in London. Do you know the year, either Tom or Nat? Do you know the year?
2: I'm guessing middle 1950s, 1950, 50, 60.
1: No? 46. 48. I'll split the difference with both uh, of you. It weighed 1,708 pounds. It was a four door sedan. The length was 148 inches. Production was 1948 to 71. They produced 1.61 million. 1.6 million cars they produced. What do you think of that? And it was owned by, manufactured by Morris Motors until 1952. Well, thank you for that, Nat. Wow. Very, very interesting. Color? Color? Any, any? Uh, yeah. What, what yeah, color was so
2: it? it? It was a dark blue, almost a black, a very dark blue, shade of blue. Very sexy, if I and can it say that. Tan interiors. I still remember that car and like almost wooden inserts in the steering. So, uh, you know, that's they used to make some proper cars back then.
1: Proper car. And was this automatic or was this stick? No, it
2: was stick shift.
1: How dare I even ask, right, Tom? How could she even ask that question? Tom, you want to give us a quick reminder because people will be seeing this episode separate from the last one. Well, what was your first car? Tom, what was your favorite car growing up? Can I ask that one instead?
3: Yeah, I'll do do the favorite car. So um, I actually uh, was driving a... uh, Six, uh, 206 uh, C06 Corvette for a while. And uh, ultimately, uh, interesting enough, it was the first year that uh, GM had put, uh, not only NAB in the, in the VET, but also uh, OnStar. And so, uh, though we had some uh, interesting processes with the battery, um, it was a, a very nice drive. Um, it uh, didn't have as many horses as the Z, but uh, it, uh, it definitely had some pick up and go. And it was a uh, triple black. Uh, black exterior, black interior, black uh, soft top.
1: Triple black. I've never heard that before. I th- I think that's what I'm driving right now is a triple black car. Thank you very much. Now, now I know I had to ask you first, Tom. Thank you very much. Let's look at our topics for today, Tom Madonna. I'm going to start off with yours. You say technology is helping automotive companies streamline costs and increase revenues. Well, isn't that what it's all about? Give us a little unpacking here, and then we'll see what Nat has to say, Tom.
3: Sure. So, so I think one of the things that uh, this new normal. Uh, has done for uh, not only the the OEMs but a lot of the manufacturers. It's it's highlighted several things that uh, have come to bear in their supply chains and in their manufacturing processes that they hadn't spent uh, any money on over the recent uh, history, and what that's basically done is it, it showed up uh, a lot of. Uh, blindness in regards to certain things in regards to execution, where uh, chips were basically being used, uh, how the supply chain was affected, you know, what are some of the uh, other commodity uh, and raw material shortages that are happening? You know, one of the things, and I've used this pretty much all, all year, and your listeners are probably sick to hearing me uh, quote this one, but one of the McKinsey reports, you know, that was done at the beginning of the year was, you know, on average, a tier one and an OEM doesn't uh, understand 60 plus percent of their supply chain based upon having a business continuity plan for those suppliers, which means that, uh, hey, you know, what happens when, uh, you know, the next tsunami hits or what happens when uh, we, we shut down trade in regards to the pandemic? Where does the that next part come from? And do you have two or, or three uh, alternate suppliers? So the technology use is not only to look at building the vehicle, but also looking at how you're going to logistically get the vehicle uh, spare parts in and the vehicle out to the customer. And and we see a lot of technology usage being shown and, and companies really starting to think about how they're spending that money based upon some of the things that the pandemic brought forward.
1: Thank you. With challenge and disruption come opportunities, right, Tom and right, Nat. Absolutely. There you go. For the companies exactly. that had the the means, the digitalization, the infrastructure already in place, they could seize that opportunity. Nat, comment on what Tom just shared, please.
2: No, I I fully agree. In fact, if I if I take another uh, take that a little bit forward, uh, you know, Tom, if you if you look at some of the uh, challenges uh, that uh, the auto manufacturers faced last year. Uh, was that most of the planning, uh, you know, based on which most of the manufacturing and supply chain algorithms were built on, were based on past sales and predictions. And all of them went out of the window with the COVID hit. And nobody really knew what next day looked like, forget the next quarter or the year. So so one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, that was a challenge and an opportunity is the fact that uh, we could use technology, we could actually bring in uh, algorithms based on sensing disease data and supply chain data at real time and help them make more informed decisions than you know if the capabilities from even 5 years ago or a decade ago uh, are vastly superior today and so technology actually helped them replan and realign the business models and their supply chains to react to the realities of uh, the uh, you know pandemic so i think uh, i think uh, uh, you know i agree i think technology as uh, you know a key enabler for the bottom line and top line i can't agree with you more Tom.
1: Thank you very much, Nat. I want to move on to make sure we cover a lot of topics here, if I may. Nat, I'm looking at your first statement here. This is interesting. You say technology is helping automotive companies adopt and launch new business models that are service-based, faster, and easier. And you're going to talk a little bit about Ford Mobility Business, BRIM, and subscription billing, and Volvo Car as a Service. Educate us. Enlighten us. Nat, go ahead.
2: So yeah I think uh, uh, if, if you look at those examples, I'll start with the examples and I'll come back to the uh, you know to the observation there. So if you look at those examples in the first case, you have a large manufacturer, one of the you know household names, the big uh, you NO3 know, et cetera, uh, launching out newer uh, top line and newer lines of business as in newer uh, revenue uh, uh, you know capabilities, and the speed in which they were able to take this uh, uh, you know take this to market. Uh, you know, in one year time frame uh, compared to whatever else they have taken in the past cycle times to launch a completely fundamentally new service line or a line of business has has been, uh, uh, you know, eye-opening. They were able to launch capabilities which involved selling the, uh, you know, services which are subscription-based and the ability to be able to, you know, turn it on and to be able to scale that, uh, uh, you know, and 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 SAP's solution set to enable that, uh, you know, really helped them go to market fast. In the second case, here is an auto manufacturer who actually turned the whole paradigm on its head. It's no longer, uh, you know, they're not selling a product anymore. They're selling a service. So, And this is being seen all over the place. And with the increase in fleet and, you know, with the increase in, uh, you know, different as-a-service commercial models across the auto spectrum, uh, we are seeing that, you know, uh, um, a lot of the, uh, uh, not just OEMs, across the board, uh, services are being consumed what were previously consumed as products. So what, what's happening is all of this is being enabled by technology being available, uh, you know, which is e- enabling these newer business models faster and far more cheaper and efficiently than ever before. And I think that's, that's something that's helping these enterprises thrive with, uh, uh, you know, these newer
3: uh, business models. Tom?
1: Thank you very much. Yes. Tom, thoughts?
3: Yeah, you're spot on. Ultimately, uh, the new models the new service uh, execution uh, directions. You know, you saw the first things with XM and and uh, OnStar. Now you're seeing things in regards to how you purchase, where you purchase, uh, how you're going to do uh, electrification in regards to charge stations. All of those models are, are new and all those models are, are moving the OEMs into new directions. So again, a good uh, new piece of technology that's basically allowing the revenues to be increased, you know, usership of the, of the vehicle.
1: Thank you very much. I'm going to move to a topic on Tom's list. Technology, you're talking EV, ADAS, AV. You're going to level set those for us again, please, Tom. Is driving market cap, evaluation, and other business decisions. Older brick-and-mortar companies, what are those, are being pushed to change while newer companies are having to grow to market demand. And Tom says change is the new normal. Tom, unpack for us, please.
3: Sure. So, uh, you know, electrode vehicle, um, you've got the uh, driver-assisted systems, you know, cruise control, hands-free driving, and then you've got the autonomous vehicles. All of those vehicles and the platform manufacturers are going through those are, are new technologies, new execution models, and new market caps that have not been seen in the, in the recent past. You know, so ultimately having the technology and being able to boost that first unit, getting out there, uh, being able to drive uh, the direction in a sustainable vehicle that you know everyone's wanting to buy is greenfield approach on, on how these guys are going after. And you look at the the old technology debt from some of the older OEMs, they're having to adapt to the model or having to begin become more nimble. Um, and so you see a lot of change that are occurring. You see new divisions that are coming up in those in those organizations where they're looking at a new way of doing business. Uh, and, and then they'll transition off the ICE vehicle uh, to some of the new lines. But in general, market demand, market cap execution is there, you know, and, and you would not have seen this in, in 10 years or 20 years ago where, you know, uh, stock price basically moved a couple couple dollars and that was it. And, you know, you're not an IPO that's going to basically uh, pull a market cap in at 100, 140 billion you know, definitely, uh, you know, the, the investors are there, the investors are looking for that next piece. And I don't want to say that, uh, you know, the EV vehicles becoming the new Bitcoin, but, you know, it's, it's getting there to the point where, you know, some of these evaluations are, are unbelievably uh, uh, high, and uh, investors are right there buying up, you know, the, the stock and buying up uh, those abilities.
1: Thank you, Tom. Nat, you want to comment? And then I want to squeeze in one more topic from you, Nat, but comment on what Tom said, please.
2: Yeah, no, I think uh, that's absolutely spot on. I think if anything, Tom, that reflects the sentiment uh, where, you know, I think the uh, consumer sentiment is that the EVs are here to stay and expand. I think they see that as the future. And I think some of the valuations might be a little bit over the top, but uh, who can fault sentiment, hey? So I think the sentiment is, and, and, and they're also voting with their wallets. If you see the sale and the projections and just the sheer you know, backlog of orders for some of the leading EV manufacturers, I think it's more than just a fad. It's definitely now the driving force in the industry. And, and that's, that's something that's reflected from those, uh, you know, from those parameters, Tom. Thank
1: you very much. Let's get to another topic from you, Nat. You say technology maturity is enabling the disruptors, the EV startups, adopt best-in-class business capability faster and cheaper than ever before, which was part of what Tom said. But you want to talk about a couple examples. Lordstown, Fisker, and Rivian are adopting best-in-class solutions in a one- to two-year time frame, and this is a game changer. Nat, Go ahead.
2: Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. If, if you really look at uh, the traditional and, and, and uh, whoever they are, if you look at the traditional OEMs, uh, they spent decades putting in ERP systems and the ERP capabilities evolved over those decades. And so what, what they ended up with was probably the second generation, third generation system before they could even have ERP capabilities. Even then it was geographical and there were silos within the enterprises so there were data silos process silos and whatever other you know legal hierarchical silos that they had to uh, uh, deal with but these new disruptors and and I gave three examples of whom we are working with you know on the ground but there's others that I can think of if you really look at these ev and the new startups the way they are doing is they are they are actually targeting and putting in uh, end-to-end, best-in-class, uh, you know, ERP backbones, and SAP has been a big driver of that, uh, which gave them capabilities that you know was simply not, uh, uh, you know, available or not possible to orchestrate in those sorts of timeframes with those kind of maturity. So what we are seeing is not only are they disruptors from a business uh, and, and technology side of things, but they are having backbones, and and that is enabling them to get both top line and bottom line, set up their businesses efficiently, set up them on best practices and and, and get it fast. So we're, we're seeing most of them are putting in solutions in the one to two year time frame, And that is pretty much solution that they would need to run as say end to end as a new auto OEM running off whatever these 100 billion, 200 billion valuations. And that does carry just to think of the probability uh, of something like that just did not exist even five years ago. So some of the evolution of technology capabilities some of the evolution of the faster cycle times in uh, erp and an sap delivery and uh, and uh, marry that to the uh, uh, the uh, need because they, they do need something they're all most of them are coming to market in you know one year two year time frames and from the time they launch everything is against the clock what we are seeing today is a phenomenal uh, you know phenomenal ability so which is being leveraged by all of these startups to set, their, set up best-in-class uh, solutions uh, right uh, uh, off the go. And I think that is that is just phenomenal to observe and to be a part of.
1: It is exciting. It's an exciting time. And as the French say, Nat, vite, 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 fast, fast, fast. Tom, I'm going to give you the last word before we close down this very interesting session. Comments back to Nat briefly, Tom?
3: I think Nat's spot on. And I think, you know, a piece of this is just the ability to consume. You know, So you start looking at how fast uh, technology can be consumed. Uh, part of the issue in the past is you've had to buy your hardware, install your hardware, put up your data center, do all of those things on an on-prem basis. And what we're seeing is a, a huge mindset change to the hyperscalers and the use of cloud. And this gives the ability for these manufacturers to very quickly uh, adopt Uh, install, and start to use this technology on a day-to-day basis. And as you start to do that, that consumption can start from a a very small piece and grow as the company grows. But in general, what we see is that uh, that ability is being driven by the markets, being driven by the the evaluation companies and, and the VCs, and the manufacturers are starting to take that inner advice, move forward with it, and do it. Uh, and, you know, the whole IP process of manufacturing a vehicle doesn't have to be all IP. So in general, technology, the consumption of technology and the use of the cloud are definitely other components to this.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate both of you giving us an insider peek at the power of technology in automotive today. There's so much to talk about. Tom and Nat, we could have gone for hours, but this is just a little bit of insight. We want everybody at OESA.org to, we hope people will find us on the Voice America Business Channel and find out more information about the movers and shakers involved with OESA, where you find people like Nat and you find people like Tom Madonna. So Nat Krishnan, at Infosys. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, meeting you. Thank you so much for your time and expertise. Tom Madonna, always wonderful to see you. Shout out to Drew Rhodes at OESA. Shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer at Voice America Radio. Happy holidays to everyone. Everybody wave goodbye for the video. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye for Automotive Insiders. Bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.